So how bad is the economic situation right now? The International Monetary Fund predicted the so-called Great Lockdown, which everybody is trying to adhere to all over the world. Uh, This recession could be the steepest in almost a century. And the warnings are if the coronavirus lingers or even returns, the global economy, the contraction and the recovery period could also be a lot more difficult than anticipated. So there are varying thoughts among economists. Some take a more uh, pessimistic view of the situation. Some uh, have a decidedly perhaps more optimistic take On it, Uh, we are going to be talking to one of those experts. uh, Very pleased to be joined on the line by professor of macroeconomics and uh, a uh, specialist in the Great Depression from the Department of Economics at American University, Professor Gabriel Mathy. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. So uh, you are of the mind, I believe, that this uh, coronavirus pandemic has the potential to cause uh, one of the biggest economic shocks ever experienced. We've seen um, severe recessions in our lifetime, the 2008 financial crisis perhaps being the most uh, recent one, but we've seen many recessions in the 90s and and before that uh, as well. Uh, But uh, this recession being uh, more dire than all of the others. Uh, could you, can you t- explain to us why? Yeah, so I mean, the, uh, here the shock is just much bigger than any we've seen before. So you know, we had a big financial shock in 2008, but this one um, is causing economies to, dr- to shrink much faster. Um, so, you know, you have both the, um, the indirect, you know, the kind of indirect effects of the recession where you have um, people that are stopping to purchase, make purchases that are uh, risky to their health, things like going out to eat at restaurants. Um, and then um, you also have uh, kind of more direct effects where governments in the U.S. at least have uh, shut down um, a lot of businesses um, for health reasons to try and stop the spread of the disease. And so this, this double whammy is um, causing a very, very rapid uh, decline in economic activity. You know, if you compare it to 2008, you had a big financial crisis, but things like restaurants were still open. You know, people could still buy and sell things. Um, and, you know, just the speed of, of this shock, which is very uncertain, is just much larger than anything we saw in 2008. And it's even much bigger than anything we saw in 1929. You know, we saw a, a big stock market crash there. Um, but we've already seen a, a crash of a similar size uh, in the last couple months in stock markets here. Uh, and so it's... Um, it's just a much, much larger than really anything we've seen uh, in terms of the initial impulse. So it's not to say that the economy will necessarily um, uh, see a, a contraction as large as we saw in the Great Depression. Uh, I think it, it seems um, unlikely at this point. But in terms of the kind of initial impulse causing the economy to contract, I think it's the largest that we've ever seen. It does it not matter that uh, this was, uh, I know that uh, people have been using the term uh, a self-induced coma where uh, it's just, uh, it's not nothing, anything with fundamentals with the economy or or, uh, you know, you know these uh, uh, mortgage-backed securities and, and problems like that. But the, it's just people staying at home, and once people uh, come back to work, uh, things should be fine. Uh, it is, is, it, is it also sort of a kind of a situation where you cannot predict how the uh, recovery would, would start, whether it's a V-shaped curve or not? 
Yeah, so you know that's something that's also uh, different is the fact that the government is explicitly trying to uh, reduce economic activity in order uh, for public health reasons, which is usually not the case, right? Usually the government is doing everything it can to try and uh, stimulate the economy, uh, and so to some extent that's a benefit because it means that there is, you know, uh, to some extent uh, a switch you can turn back on and you can reopen those businesses. Um, but the thing is that uh, to some extent, you know, the lockdowns formally shutting restaurants mean that people haven't realized how much. Um, uh, sales are going to fall at at places like that. Um, so you know, in the U.S., there's going to continue to be social distancing, and so a lot of the table uh, a lot of the tables will have to be shut so that people can remain mm. a safe distance away. The ambiance won't be the same, right. uh, and so you know, the the lockdown being removed is going to help. But um, you know, a lot of people are still going to avoid um, shopping in a lot of places where there's a lot of human interaction because they're worried about spreading the disease. Uh, and so I think that uh, you know, we will get um, somewhat of a bounce back when. And the lockdowns are lifted. Right. Um, but you can look at a country like South Korea, which has done a really good job at fighting the pandemic. And, um, you know, there's still going to be a big economic decline, you know, partially because of other markets that um, have seen lockdowns that have had economic declines. But, um, you know, I think the, 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 the true shock of the virus is going to be important. So ending the lockdowns is not a panacea. And, and that's the thing, right? The uh, small businesses that have been forced to shut down, a lot of them won't be coming back. And if you take the example of a of a restaurant, I'm, I'm not a restaurateur or an expert on that, but uh, restaurants can't run on 50% capacity and turnover. And so a lot of these businesses are at risk of simply uh, disappearing and never coming back. Is that true? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, if you go from 0%, right, if you're shut down to 50%, and let's take your example, that's a huge bounce back. Um, but given the, the, the slim profit margins at a lot of restaurants, it's not going to be enough to survive. Um, so currently, there's this CARES Act that's supporting businesses in the U.S. Um, temporarily um, that's giving them money to try and help them uh, survive for the next few months. Um, but the question is, you know, if that's not um, renewed, then a lot of those businesses are going to end up going under. Uh, and also, it's, it's somewhat ambiguous exactly what the strings are um, with the government uh, loans there. Uh, it seems that to get a grant, then um, businesses are going to have to use most of that money to continue to keep payroll, uh, which is good that they're going to continue to have employees on, on their payroll so that the, the, they don't join the ranks of the unemployed. But then it's going to mean that um, you know a lot of that money is not going to directly subsidize the business itself, and so they may still be unprofitable. So I think that with this CARES Act, we've kind of kicked the can down the road a couple mm. months, but given that it does doesn't look that there's a an imminent um, cure, uh, nor that uh, the U.S. is going to be able to be organized like South Korea was to um, to address the pandemic without without an effective treatment or a vaccine. Um, you know, I worry um, later on in the summer that things could uh, get very bad when people realize that this is not going to go away, uh, go away quickly. Well, those small businesses shutting down uh, and small businesses in America account for the vast majority of of employment here. The job numbers, uh, and I I believe. Uh, You've pointed out how these are unprecedented, staggering numbers, almost video game numbers, if you're talking about uh, well over 30 million people now filed for unemployment. We have all these kind of notions of uh, accounts of the the Great Depression and the soup kitchens and and the long lines and and all the uh, despair uh, during that period. And in some ways, it's somewhat been romanticized. Uh, How how does this compare to a situation like the Great Depression? Are these numbers um, more severe than that? So, you know, in terms of the, the you, you won't have mass hunger like you did back then. So, you know, they don't want to be um, 
overly uh, pessimistic or alarmist. Um, but you, you, you have seen a big increase in people using things like food banks. So, you know, there, there clearly are a lot of people that are hurting. And we can look at the, the speed of the job losses. And so it's true that some of these are temporary furloughs and some of these people may come back after the pandemic's over. But then again, some of the temporary furloughs may end up being permanent once people see that demand is not really coming back and sales are not coming back. Um, so we could look at the, the, the U.S. government's numbers for the worst year of the Depression for an annual increase. And so there was a 4 million increase in unemployment and about a 3.5 million drop in, in the number of people employed. So let's just look at the number of people employed. We've got a scale by the fact that the population is about three times as large, um, but we still get about 10.5 million. Uh, and if we just look at continuing claims, so that 30 million number you had was the total number of people that had filed for unemployment. But mm -hmm. just in the last week, how many people are still filing? Um, that's about uh, uh, 17 to 18 million. And so we've had an increase over the 2 million that we had in early March, about 15 million. Um, so we've had, you know, uh, 15 million new people filing for unemployment uh, in less than two months, whereas in the worst year of the Great Depression, you know, even scaling for the population difference, we got about 10.5 million job losses in a year. Um, so just in terms of the speed, it's just going much faster. The Great Depression was a lot longer because we didn't get a good government policy response with the gold standard to really constrain policy. And so we, we've got some uh, indications with the CARES Act that the government is going to respond in a large way. You know, that was a pretty big package. Um, but given how big the shock is, you know, the question is whether they'll still be able to, to rise to the occasion and do enough to really um, turn things around. So I think that will be the big question is whether um, the government's going to be able to stop this downward momentum uh, through policy um, it, so that the, the economy is not just collapsing before we get uh, an effective treatment to this disease. And so when we saw the, the pretty severe drop uh, job loss numbers in 2008. Uh, this was happening in the midst of a uh, presidential election. I somewhat credited uh, uh, that then candidate Barack Obama to win by as large a margin as he did over uh, John McCain at that time. Uh, there was a, a push for this so-called stimulus bill, also the, the bailout of, of the banks. And uh, they generally rent on a, you wouldn't say steep recovery, but they were able to add a significant number of jobs per month uh, throughout the duration of the eight-year uh, Barack Obama presidency. You don't see that kind of a recovery necessarily in terms of the job numbers for uh, the U.S., again, um, assuming with the premise that uh, the pandemic is placed under control and, and America gets back to work again. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think that's a, a good analogy to think about 2008. And so, you know, there we had some, you know, very mild uh, stimulus. Uh, there were some things passed in 2008, a few hundred dollar um, tax credits for people. Um, so already the, um, you know, the initial response is much larger today. Um, and so then I think it will, we'll see, you know, that that also happened in an election year. And so there was a big change in Congress where you got one party control in 2008. And so then there was, you know, uh, the, the Congress and the president worked together to put mm. together a big um, stimulus package. So currently we have divided government. So, you know, I think, um, you know, we'll see uh, to get a really big uh, government response. I think it will wait until after the election, given that we have, you know, very divided government. Um, so uh, I think that, you know, the Fed is doing a really good job. Um, you know, they're, they're pulling out all the stops and they've responded, you know, even more aggressively than they did in 2008. They learned from 2008. Um, but, you know, ultimately the Fed is limited. They're already at zero. Yeah. You know, they, they could go negative, like has happened in Europe and Japan, but it seems that they're not going to do that. 
Um, and, you know, otherwise they've, they've done a lot. Um, you know, they could do a little bit more, but, you know, they're limited in how much they can do. And so I think that it's going to uh, take, um, you know, large deficits to, um, to really offset uh, this pandemic. You know, it'd be, it'd be better if the government was, you know, trying to learn from other countries that have been successful, like in South Korea. There doesn't really seem to be a, a real organized plan to try and, you know, not have this trade-off between the economy and the disease so that we could have, you know, more economic activity while controlling the disease. But um, it doesn't seem that, you know, the policy response on the public health side is really organized enough to do that. Well, just maybe looking uh, comparatively as to how different countries are uh, handling both the pandemic and the the economic uh, side of the equation in terms of policies or legislation that they're putting forward. You've mentioned the uh, the CARES Act a couple of times. I know that there are various phases in the U.S. with how they're trying to pass legislation, phase one, phase two, phase three, maybe phase 3.5 with that additional uh, injection of funds for, for small business uh, loans. In it, with with the CARES Act being a band aid, like like you said, uh, are there certain aspects of it that do uh, provide some general uh, progressive relief? I, I know that a lot of people uh, on the on the left have been saying low key that the the unemployment uh, scheme uh, is actually something that is a, a fairly uh, good kind of program to help people in need, especially those without a job who may be uh, compensated, maybe even um, perhaps a little better in some cases uh, than they were when when they lost their jobs. Uh, Are there any aspects to this CARES package that you think going forward could be built upon to to, to build America on the road to recovery? Yes, I think so. So, um, you know, the the unemployment insurance is very generous. So the, the U.S. started its unemployment insurance system actually during the 1930s, during the recovery from the Great Depression. So um, it was it was somewhat behind other countries like um, England and Germany that already had systems earlier in the 20th century. Uh, and so, you know, uh, at this time, some of the benefits are larger than 100% just because the unemployment system in the U.S. is run by the state. So each state, um, you know, there's federal rules, but each state is going to set the level of generosity mm. and, you know, certain criteria. Um, and so um, because of that, uh, and because there's no standardized system, then there was no way to simply replace 100% of wages, which was the goal, which already is more generous than um, any other country. You know, another country replaces 100%. Right. It will replace 80 or 90% of your wages. Um, and so then they just did the scheme of having $600 per week from the federal government. And so that meant that for some low-wage workers, they were getting more than 100% which is definitely, you know, for the first time in history, the U.S. Uh, is the most generous unemployment insurance system in the world so yeah. that, um, you know, it's much, uh, much bigger than any other country. So that's, that's real problem. Generally and, speaking... Um, even if we had just had generous. So there was some success right. there on the kind of progressive side. And, and generally speaking, uh, Professor, uh, we have a, a situation where I think we're going to try to uh, reconnect with Professor Matthew because uh, the connection has been coming in and out. Uh, so we do apologize uh, for that, but we're going to try to reestablish that connection. We've been talking uh, quite at length as to uh, the problems with the global economy as a whole and really the uh, the engine, the driver of the global economy, which, which would be the U.S. and some of the problems that have uh, kind of become uh, – really concerning, uh, not just the health aspects of it, but also, of course, uh, the economic policies right now in terms of how to uh, build 
that country on the road to recovery, which in turn uh, would help a lot of the other countries around the world in this uh, globalized community that we now live in, especially a country like South Korea, which has been so dependent on economic growth uh, through exports. If you can't export to uh, your biggest customers like the United States, uh, if they are simply not buying your goods and services, your economy, if it's uh, over 70% uh, export-oriented, is going to have a real tough time. And so Professor Matthew has been uh, talking about how the U.S. has mishandled the uh, pandemic and that has in turn exacerbated the economic uh, situation. I believe we have reestablished the uh, connection. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Sorry about that, uh, Professor. Uh, Thank you for uh, uh, sticking by Uh, with us. If I could... If I could, I would have been in my office, but I'm not allowed back there, so I've got to use my cell phone. Right. Well, uh, and that really kind of underlines uh, the dilemma that we're all in right now uh, with this uh, new normal, so to speak. I know it's sort of become a cliche. Going forward, then, what do you think the economies are going to look like? Because social distancing does not seem to be going away anytime soon, despite the Trump administration's best efforts to reopen the economy. Some of these states like Florida and Georgia uh, talking about... uh, uh, establishing a, a reopening of businesses, maybe even uh, against the will of some of these uh, business owners and people who uh, may or may not want to be customers uh, at this point in time. Do, do you think that uh, there are going to have to be some hard questions made going forward as to uh, how to stimulate the economy in, in, a, in an economy that is going to be uh, maybe an exaggeration, but fundamentally structurally changed forever? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I, I try not to make forecasts about forever, but it's clear that there's going to be some long-lasting effects. You know, let's say we looked at the shock from 9-11, which was very important in the U.S., um, you know, just at the airline sector. And so, you know, it was, it was fairly clear that this was a kind of one-off event, right, um, that there were these attacks using airplanes. And yet people stayed away from flying for several years. The airlines required a bailout. Um, the shock is much more persistent now. You know, it's clearly um, the, the risk of contracting the disease in, uh, in airline flights is going to be elevated. A lot of businesses are going to be canceling flights. They're going to use Zoom instead now that they've gotten used to um, this new normal of using um, uh, remote uh, video conferencing. Um, And so, you know, the airlines, it's it's hard to see the prospects for them to recover. And then, you know, there's going to be some... um, some uh, uh, some kind of secondary waves from that, because then the airlines have excess capacity, so they don't need to place any orders for new airplanes. And you already had Boeing that was kind of suffering um, due to their own mistakes with the Max aircraft before the crisis. Right. Um, you know, this is one of the major U.S. exports. So, um, you know, if, if the orders for planes, both domestically and abroad, kind of uh, dry up, then Boeing's exports and America's exports are going to go way down. Uh, and so, you're going to have kind of um, you know, secondary effects from these. Uh, and so then, uh, you know, reorienting the economy then in a time when lots of people are unemployed is not ideal. You know, you can you can shift sectors pretty easily if the economy is booming, then people just find a job easily in a different sector. Um, but when the economy is contracting like this, they're just going to go into the unemployment lines. Uh, and so we talked about some of the job losses. You're also going to have, um, you know, the graduations in the U.S., mm-hmm. right, with um, high school and college graduations. And so they're going to enter the workforce uh, and find very few jobs 
openings. Um, so there's going to be, you know, they, they, I don't believe, can claim unemployment if they're a new entrant into the labor force. Um, but, you know, those are going to be people that are, are flooding the ranks of people um, looking for work in a few months. Um, so it will be tricky. Uh, you know, to some extent, there's been some pushback on stimulus packages. They, they said that this CARES Act is a relief package to try and help people right. survive. Um, there may be some reluctance to run deficits to stimulate the economy. They may say, you know, it's better if people stay on unemployment, especially since unemployment benefits are so generous for the next few months. And so, you know, economists hadn't really thought much about um, these kind of pandemics. The 1918 recession had very little um, research done on it. Uh, sorry, the 1918 pandemic, there was mm-hmm. no recession. Um, had very little research done on it. Now in the last month, there's been a, an explosion of economics papers with everyone home, um, you know, looking at the past to try and learn something about pandemics. Um, but we don't really have a good playbook for um, where to go from here. And when you uh, talk about the, the U.S. side of things and, and you look at the global economy as a whole, uh, just briefly, I'd like to get your thoughts, maybe just a 30,000-foot overview of what you see with South Korea. You've, you've been uh, complimentary on how Korea has handled the, the pandemic. A, a lot of people have said that uh, Korea has been uh, quite effective in terms of its uh, uh, testing and, and contact tracing, which has allowed now the government to cautiously, slowly talk about uh, reopening things. We've had our own uh, strong debate here here about a relief package, and uh, there's been some uh, debate about whether uh, relief checks should be universal or it should be means-tested. Uh, there's talk about uh, deficit spending, as you just highlighted, in the U.S. The concern here in Korea is that uh, we can't spend like the U.S. We don't have a, a currency that allows us to do so. Uh, do you think Korea has to be a little bit more bold, in your view? Well, um, you know, uh, I'm not an expert in Korea, but I'll I'll try to give my thoughts anyway. So, um, you know, it seems that the economic... uh, downturn will be less severe domestically because of the the, the excellent way the, the government has responded in organizing a public health response. But South Korea is a much more open economy too, um, and so you know the, the stimulus is uh, going to create uh, lots of new orders. But a lot of good, a lot more goods in Korea are ordered from abroad than in the U.S., which is a much larger economy. Um, so you know if you're in Illinois or in Chicago, mm. you're going to tend to buy goods that are tend to be American. There's going to tend to be fewer imports, right. whereas uh, South Korea is much more open to the world. And so then those stimulus packages are just going to have a lower multiplier because a lot of the orders, um, the new demand that's going to be created will go abroad. Um, So that's one concern. And then also, you know, there's the um, kind of currency effect that the, you know, the U.S. dollar tends to get stronger in a crisis. The only currency really that does that, maybe the euro a little bit. Um, But, uh, you know, South Korea is different in that it's still, um, you know, kind of growing country. So, um, Professor Matthew, those are real concerns for Korea. Yeah. We will have to leave it there, but I really appreciate your insights. We definitely learned a lot, and and we thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll be back after another check of traffic and weather.